0: All right, if you would, now open your Bibles with me to uh, Genesis chapter 28. For those of you interested in knowing, the Lord willing, we're going to observe the Lord's table after the message Sunday morning. Look forward to that. Genesis chapter 28. And Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. And God Almighty bless thee, and make thee fruitful, and multiply thee, that thou mayest be a multitude of people, and give thee the blessing of Abraham, to thee and to thy seed with thee, that thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger." which God gave unto Abraham. And Isaac sent away Jacob, and he went to padan Aram unto Laban, son of Bethuel the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob's and Esau's mother. When Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to padan Aram, to take him a wife from thence, and that as he blessed him, he gave him a charge, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. And that Jacob obeyed his father and his mother, And was gone to to Padan Aram. And Esau, seeing that the daughters of Canaan, pleased not Isaac his father. Then went Esau unto Ishmael, and took unto the wives which he had. Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebajoth, to be his wife. And Jacob went out from Beersheba, and went toward Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place, and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. And behold, a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest to thee will I give it into thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. And thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awakened out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid, and said, How dreadful is this place! This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Jacob rose up early in the morning, and took the stone that he had put for his pillows, and set it up for a pillar, and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. House of God. But the name of that city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me, and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely. Give the tenth unto thee. We'll thank God for his word. Let's bow together. Our Father, oh how thankful we are that you've given us this opportunity to come together with our brothers and sisters in the middle of the week, to come together out of this dry and dusty world in which we live and meet together and to worship our God. And Father, I pray that you would enable us tonight to do that, to worship you, to worship in spirit and in truth. Father, I pray that you might speak to the hearts of your people tonight, that your people not just hear the voice of a preacher, but Father, through your word, would you speak to the hearts of your people, that you would reveal your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, cause us to see him. Cause us to believe and give us the faith to believe. Give us the eyes to see. Give us a a heart that hungers and thirsts after Christ our righteousness. Father, cause us to run to him. Father, we pray your mercy and grace be upon this people. How thankful we are that it is your eternal purpose to be merciful to your people. Save your people by your grace. Through the obedience and the sacrifice of your Son. How thankful we are, Father, to know thy people shall be saved. None of them shall ever perish. And Father, we beg you, would you be merciful to us? Would you be pleased to reveal yourself to us? Would you be pleased to to call us, this people, to Christ? Father, I thank you for this place. I thank you for this family of believers that you've called together. Father, how you've blessed us all these many years. Oh, how thankful we are. Father, we beg of you that you not leave us alone now. If you'd ever leave us alone, we'd surely fall. Father, continue to be with us. Continue to be merciful, gracious. Continue to bless your word. Feed your sheep. Call out your sheep. Let this be a place where Christ is preached, where God is worshipped through the preaching of God our Savior. Father, we pray blessing for those that you have brought into the time of trouble and trial. How richly and abundantly that you've blessed us. Yet in this flesh, we're a poor and a needy people. We pray for your hand of healing, comfort, and direction, protection upon your people. Deliver, Father, as soon as it could be thy will. And all these things we ask, and we give thanks in that name which is above every name, the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. Now, we're not going to look at all the, the first few verses of this chapter, but as we read, you saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob, and he sends him away to go to the same place he found a wife, go to, to Laban's house and, and find a wife. He blessed him and sent him away. But I do want you to see this in verse 4, part of the blessing that he, that he gave to, to Jacob in verse 4. He says, and give thee the blessing of Abraham to thee and thy seed with thee. He prays that that Jacob would have the blessing of Abraham. Now, what's the blessing of Abraham? Well, God blessed Abraham many different ways, didn't he? But the blessing of Abraham is God counted Abraham to be righteous. He made him righteous. He counted him righteous because he was righteous. God made him righteous. He was made righteous by faith in Christ, not by his works. That's the blessing of Abraham. And that's what Isaac wanted for his son. Isn't that what every believing parent wants for their children? We pray God be merciful to them. That God would would be pleased to to give them faith in Christ. I know I'm not alone, and you parents understand this. Well, we prayed for them before they were even conceived. But boy, after they were conceived, did you pray for them? Even before they were born on this earth, how we pray for them. Oh, that God would give our children faith in Christ. That's what Isaac wants for Jacob, as he sends him away. And in the story that follows, it appears that the Lord answered that prayer. You know, many people think this this time where, where Jacob was in Bethel and he dreamed about this ladder going from the earth to heaven. Many people say this is the first time Jacob ever met God. It's the first time he ever believed God. It's the first time he ever believed on Christ. Now, obviously, Jacob had heard of God before. Hadn't he? He'd heard from Isaac. He'd heard from his mother, Rebecca. But this could be that he'd heard of God. He knew his name. He, he knew about him. He knew about the promise God made to Abraham. But sounds like this is the first time Jacob actually believed on God. He believed on Christ. At least it is the first time that it's recorded. So we can look at this story as a picture of the conversion of a believer. What happens when God first reveals himself to one of his children? But we can also look at this as a, as a picture of what happens every time a believer is enabled by God to truly worship Him. I mean, we're not going through the motions of religion. I mean truly worship God. That we felt like God just spoke to my heart. What happens when that happens? There's some things that are similar. And all this happened at a place that Jacob named Bethel. He said, this is the house of God. So the title of my message tonight, is let's go to Bethel. Let's go to Bethel. I don't want us to just go through the motions of religion tonight. I don't want us to do that anytime we meet. I don't want us to just go through the motions of religion. I want us to go to Bethel. I want us to, to hear from God and to meet God and truly worship him. I want us to go to Bethel tonight praying that the Lord be pleased to reveal himself to us. It could be someone's here tonight like Jacob. You've heard of God before, but you never heard from Him. You never met Him. You never believed on Him. Maybe tonight we'll go to Bethel and you'll hear from God. I hope so. I hope so. And I also pray those of you who've been, by God's grace, believing on Christ a long time. You've been hearing the gospel a long time. I pray tonight we're going to go to Bethel and you hear from Him again. Your heart will be thrilled. You'll be enabled to worship God from the heart. You know that's what Jacob did his whole life long? Seems like every time Jacob got in trouble, every time something was going on, you know what Jacob did? He went back to Bethel. That's where he heard. That's where he was instructed. That's where he worshiped. He kept going all his life long back to Bethel. Well, if you've been to Bethel before, let's go again tonight. Let's go again tonight. Now, if we truly go to Bethel and we hear from God, first thing is we're going to have to be alone. Look what it says here in verse 10, Genesis 28. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. Now here Jacob went to this place, and he's all alone, isn't he? He's all by himself. Nobody's with him. And if the Lord's going to save you and me, and he's going to reveal himself to us, we're going to have to be all alone, just like Jacob was on this night. It's a true story. It's kind of funny. I remember being just a, just a, a real little guy. And you've heard preachers say this. If God's going to save you, you've got to be alone in your prayer closet. I can't tell you how many times I heard a preacher. So, I mean, I just a little guy. I, mean, I didn't want to go to hell. I, you know, I, I would like for God to save me. And you know what I did? I'd go home and empty out my closet, and I'd sit in there waiting for something to happen. I would do that. That's not what this means here at all. I'm not saying there can't be anybody else around, because there can you think of a whole congregation of people listening to the gospel preach all at the same time. You're you're in the midst of, of people. But God speaks to you. You're able to worship. God's speaking to you. You're able to see. Ind- individual believers, they're all hearing the gospel of Christ. They're all hearing the same message all at the same time and they're being blessed. But it's one at a time, isn't it? Now there could be a congregation mixed, believers and, and unbelievers and, and people are... Some of them are being blessed. Maybe there's a person here never heard of Christ and the Lord just reaches down and plucks out one and reveals himself to that one. You don't have to be the only person in the room, I do you? It could be in a, in a group of people, but you've got to be alone for the same reason that Jacob was alone on this night. Why was Jacob all alone this night? It was because of seeing sin, wasn't it? He sinned against his father. He sinned against his brother in deceiving them to get the blessing that Isaac intended for Esau to have. He sinned against his father and his brother. Now he's on the run so his brother doesn't kill him. You know, He's alone because of his sin. And his sin is his fault. He's here alone and it's all his doing. He can't blame anybody but himself. And if the Lord's going to save you and me, the Lord's going to bless us We're going to have to be alone for the very same reason. Our sins have separated us from our God. My sins have done that. Not Adam's sin, my sin. And it's all my fault. I'm the only one to blame. You see, we have to be alone with God in this sense. I have to be in need. I have to be in need. I've told you this before. As long as I've understood language, I believed the five points of Calvinism. I mean, I completely and totally believed in the total depravity of man. But Eric, something changed when I found out I was totally depraved. See that? I have to be in trouble. I have to need God, and I have to hear from God. God has to speak to me like I'm the only sinner God intends to save. I have to believe on Christ. He is all of my righteousness. He came and obeyed the law. And it's just like he did that just for me. Me alone. I have to have Christ as my righteousness. If I'm going to be blessed, and I've got to be alone. If God's going to save me. I've got to trust Christ. I've got to trust him as all of my redemption. Just like I'm the only sinner Christ came to save. I'm the only sinner he suffered and died for. It's for I have to believe him. I have to cry with the publican. God be merciful to me, the sinner. It's not just God be merciful to us sinners. God be merciful to me, the sinner. Like I'm the only sinner left that God's going to save. Now I know others believe on Christ. And I know others need Christ. But this thing of salvation is not group activity. God saves and calls his people individually by name on purpose, one at a time. You know, there there could be, all of us probably have experienced this, there could be so many people in in the congregation, we're all listening to the same message, aren't we? And somebody leaves and says, it's like God was talking just to me. I don't know if that message was for anybody else, but that was for me. That's being alone with God. See, that's being alone with God. God's got to speak to me. If I'm ever, if He's ever going to save me, if I'm ever going to worship God. Now, the Lord revealed Himself to Jacob, but Jacob was all alone at Bethel. And that's what we need. We need to be alone. Nobody between. This business is done between the Savior and me. Me, the sinner. Gotta be alone. Alright, here's the second thing. If we're truly going to go to Bethel, we're going to meet God. We're going to hear from God. We will believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is the only way to God. God will give us the faith to believe that. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He's the only way to God. That's what we see in verse 12. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. Now, I know Jacob dreamed this. This is, you know, the Lord did that those times. He spoke to people. Reveal things to people in dreams. This is how the Lord revealed this to to Jacob. He's not going to reveal this to you and me this way. No, he's going to reveal this to us by spirit, through the preaching of the gospel. And God reveals to all of his people the same thing he revealed to Jacob in this dream. The Lord revealed a picture of Christ, the Savior, to Jacob. In this dream, he showed Jacob that Christ is the only way to God. Now, if you look over at John chapter 1, we don't have a a New Testament uh, explanation for every Old Testament picture. What we know is all of the Old Testament speaks of Christ, doesn't it? In type and picture and pattern. That's what the Lord told those disciples on the road to Emmaus, beginning with the Psalms and the prophets and all the, the scriptures. He spoke unto them the things concerning himself. So we don't have, have to have a New Testament explanation to know this is a picture of Christ. But we do this time. This time our, our Lord tells us that he is the fulfillment of Jacob's ladder. John 1 verse 51. And he saith unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The Lord doesn't say they're ascending and descending upon a ladder. They're ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Christ is the fulfillment of Jacob's ladder. Jacob's ladder is pointing us to Christ. That's what the Savior is saying. So in the dream, Jacob sees a ladder. That ladder touched heaven. And the bottom of it touched the earth. Now here's something I know about ladders. You know, typically... Speaking probably probably every time, we have a, a picture of Christ or we have, have something being taught in the Word of God. It's very simple. What I know about ladders is very simple. Ladders take you from a high place to a low place. That's the job of a ladder. If you're up doing some work on the roof of your house, Isaac, you don't want to jump off. That's a long way down at your house. That one side is. You need ladder. Take you from a high place to a low place. Christ is the ladder. He's the ladder. He goes from heaven to earth. He touches both of them. Able to satisfy the need of both. The need of God in heaven. The need of sinner on earth. Christ the son of God came from heaven. And he came all the way to earth. See God in heaven. God the father. There is a sinful people that he had purposed to save. And those sinful people were on earth. They didn't know anything about Him. They didn't know anything about God. They didn't know anything about salvation in Christ. They didn't know anything about the blood. They didn't know anything about righteousness. They didn't know anything about how God is worshipped, how to please God. They didn't know how a sinner could be made made righteous. So Christ came from heaven to earth so that He could save His people from their sin. I want to tell you, if the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the only begotten, appeared in human flesh. And he came all the way from heaven to earth to save you. Brother, you're going to be saved. He didn't waste in his time. He, he didn't fail to do what he came here to do. He came from a high place to a low place to save sinners of low degree, didn't he? Where's well, there's the other thing about ladders. Ladders also, they take you from a low place to a high place. You know, if you're going to do some work on, on your roof, you need a ladder. You, know, you, you can't jump up there. You, you, you need a ladder. I was uh, talking about doing some, some work on, on my roof. I'm just going to go up there and, and see, you know, what that is. My son Clark didn't think that was a good idea, and he made me promise not to do it. He said, if you don't promise, I'm taking your ladder with me. <laughs> I can't get up on the roof that ladder. Now, if sinners like you and me in these sinful bodies, in these sinful war, this sinful world, bodies made of the dust of this earth, if we're going to go to heaven and we're going to be with the Father, you and I need a ladder. We can't jump. We can't jump that high. God requires perfect righteousness in order to be in His presence. We can't produce a righteousness that God requires. We can't produce the holiness that God requires To be in his presence. We need a ladder don't we? We need a ladder that will bring us. From our low degree. And bring us all the way to God. We need somebody else to come. God requires righteousness. The way you have righteousness. Is obey God's law perfectly. Well we need somebody else to come. And obey that law for us. Because we can't do it. Sin must be paid for. Without the shedding of blood. There's no remission. Can't be animal blood. Can't be sinful human blood. It's got to be pure blood. Sinless blood. We need somebody who's pure and sinless and holy to be sacrificed for us. For our sin. He must shed his blood to pay the debt of our sin because we can't do it. We need a ladder. Christ is that ladder. He came and he established perfect righteousness for his people. He obeyed the law for them. He did that for them as their representative. Then they're righteous. I don't care if you can't see it or not. They're righteous if Christ made them righteous. (laughs) Christ obeyed the law for them. And Christ came, he sacrificed himself. All that he is, he sacrificed himself and he shed his blood. He suffered and died. He took all of the justice that God's, God's wrath demands for the sins of his people. He poured out his blood to wash his people from their sin. He took his blood, he took it behind the behind the veil and he offered it on the altar before the father. And the father said, that's enough. The father said, my justice is satisfied. The sin debt has been paid in full. Christ is the ladder to God. He's the one who, who, who satisfied every requirement son of Adam to appear in God's presence. The only way you and I can go to God is through the merit, through the the blood, through the sufficiency of Christ our Savior. I need Christ to be my ladder. I don't need just any old ladder. I also, besides I need a ladder that goes from heaven to earth that comes from, from, from heaven to earth and earth to heaven. I need that. But I also need a strong ladder. When Jan and I were first married, we were poor as church mice and just, you know, trying to piece together the stuff that we need. And I don't know where I got it. I mean, probably from the trash heap somewhere. I got this wooden ladder. I mean, that thing, the wind would just blow and it would shake. And that's a ladder. I I mean, I climbed around on that ladder. It's just amazing. You're trying to balance all the time you're on that ladder. It's amazing and fall and break my neck. If I try to use that ladder today, that's what happened. I need a good, sturdy, strong ladder now, you know. That's Christ our ladder. He's the strong ladder. He has the strength. He's the rock of ages. That's what we see. Our ladder is the rock of ages. He has the strength to bring any sinner and carry him all the way from our sin and our pit that we've dug for ourselves here below and bring us all the way to the Father. I want to tell you, If the Son of God came, He came to suffer and die for you. And brother, you're saved. You're redeemed. And you shall make it all the way to glory. There are times you feel like you're not going to make it, but you will. Because we're not making it based upon our strength, are we? We're making it based upon the merit and strength of Christ our ladder. He's going to bring you to glory and present you faultless for His glory with exceeding joy. Now if the Lord is ever pleased to reveal Christ to us this way, He is the way to God. If you come to God in Christ, you will be accepted. You will, whoever you are, whatever you've done. If you come to God in Christ, you will be accepted. If the Spirit's ever pleased to reveal Christ to us that way, that he's all I need to appear before the Father accepted, I'll believe him. You will too. And we'll worship him. If we ever see that Christ is the way to God, we'll worship him and we'll have joy. All right, here's the third thing. Now, if we go to Bethel and we meet God, we hear from God, we're going to believe in the covenant God. Look at verse 13. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father and the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed, and thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and in thee and in thy seed shall all families of the earth be blessed, and behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. Now I say this frequently, that our God is a covenant God. Covenant, it means a promise. When we say that God is a covenant God, here's what we mean. We mean that God is purposed, what he's going to do before time began. He promised, this is what I'm going to do. He did it before creation. He's not reacting to something that that his creatures do. God purposed, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to create the earth and this is what I'm going to do with man in it. And This is my purpose. This is my promise. I'm going to save a people out of that fallen race by my mercy, by my grace, by the doing and dying of my son. That is my promise. God's a covenant God. And that's what the Lord's telling Jacob when he tells him, I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. God, when he appeared to Abraham and when he appeared to Isaac, what did he tell him? He gave him a promise to me. He? he gave him a promise. I'm going to give you this land. All nations of the earth are going to be blessed in thee. God promised to bless them and to keep them. He promised to give their seed, the land of Canaan. Well, how many years later it was when God first re- revealed himself to his grandfather Abraham, now God's revealing himself to Jacob. And since God doesn't change, he's saying the same thing to Jacob he said to Abraham and Isaac. God doesn't change. He's given Jacob the very same promise he gave his father and his grandfather. He promised him that the Messiah is going to come through him, through his seed. Sinful Jacob. Jacob the supplanter. Jacob who's all along because of his sin. The Messiah is coming through his seed. And he's going to bless every family on earth. All nations of the earth are going to be blessed in him. And Lord went on. He promised Jacob. He said, Jacob, I'm always going to be with you. You're going to wander here and there and to and fro. But Jacob, I'll always be with you. I know you feel like you're alone now, but you're not. I'm with you. I'll always be with you. He promised Jacob he'd bring him everywhere he went. He said, Jacob, this is a good promise for Jacob to remember later on in his life when he keeps on deceiving people and supplanting people. And just, Jacob, despite your sin, despite your failures, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you every step of the way. I'm going to give you everything I promised to give you. Not because you earned it. I'm going to give it to you because I promised to give it to you. That's my covenant, Jacob. And you know, the Lord God makes that promise to all of His people. Jacob's no different than every other believer. Our God is a covenant God. He's purposed to save His people before creation. He's purposed to to show His mercy and grace. He's purposed to lead and guide His people all through their lives here below. He, He purposed, He promised, I'm going to save that sinful people. It's not by their works. It's by the merits of my son. They're not going to be righteous in their works. They're going to be made righteous by the obedience of my son. They're not going to be holy and sinless because of anything they did. They're going to be made holy and sinless by the sacrifice of my son. The blood of my son is going to wash them white as snow. That's the father's promise before time began. And then God created the earth. And everything he's done since he first created the earth this is what he's been doing. Saving his people from their sin. Everything that God does, that's the purpose behind it. Somehow and in some way, almost always that we can't see, everything God's doing, he's doing to save a people that he promised he would save. Then the fullness of time, God's son came in the flesh and he redeemed a people from all over the earth. Not just that little Jewish nation, Jews and Gentiles alike. People from every nation, from every tribe, from every kindred, from every language, Christ paid the debt for those people, made them debt-free. And all human time is, is this, God keeping his promise. Ever since then, the Lord's been calling his people to Christ through the preaching of the gospel. And I'm telling you this, sometimes they come in a trickle, sometimes they come in in a great big rush, sometimes you think, well, nobody's coming, nobody's hearing it, I'm, but I'm telling you this. I don't care what... I hate to use the term results, but the what results that we see. I'm telling you this. All of those people that God promised to save, all those people for whom Christ died, they shall be saved. They shall be brought to Christ. And even though they're just like Jacob, they're going to stumble and bumble and wander to and fro and there's, they're going to be full of sin despite their shortcomings and are many, they shall make it safely to glory. You know why? Because the Lord is their shepherd. See, not only did the Lord promise to save them, He promised to lead them. He promised to guide them. He promised to protect them. He promised to bring them to the Father. Here's why I can say God's people shall be saved. Because the Lord took the responsibility of the salvation of his people. He took the responsibility to do everything that's necessary to save his people from their sin. Now he's going to do it. He's going to keep his promise and he can't fail because he's God. Now I know sometimes we worry, but let me give you something comforting. The Lord will never leave nor forsake his people because of their sin. Carrie, he already put it away. There's no reason for him to leave them. The Lord will never leave nor forsake his people because he grows weary of them. He's loved them with an everlasting, unchanging love. He won't grow weary of them. The Lord promised to save his people. He's not going to leave them. He's not going to forsake them because the Lord always keeps his promise. And when you can't see and you don't understand, hang on to the promise of God. Don't look for any evidence or any reason in yourself. Keep hanging on to the promise of God. He'll never leave nor forsake his people because that's what he promised to do. And if the Spirit is ever pleased to reveal God to us as the covenant God who is going to do what he promised to do, I'm telling you, we'll believe on him. And we'll happily trust all of our soul to him. All of it. All right, then here's the last thing. If we truly go to Bethel, we're going to meet God. We're going to hear from God. We're going to have to be awakened. We're going to have to be born again in the new birth. Look at verse 16. And Jacob awake out of a sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Now, when Jacob woke up, he he realized who'd been speaking to him. He realized where he was. He didn't know that when he went to sleep, did he? But he knows it now. Now, you and I are born spiritually asleep. Our parents bring us to the surface. Maybe we got a cute girlfriend brings us to the surface. Our handsome boyfriend brings us to the surface. When we first come to hear the gospel, let's face it, we're all asleep. We're spiritually asleep. And I'll tell you what it means to be spiritually asleep. We can't believe anything. We can't understand anything. We don't know what's going on around us because we're asleep. We can't believe anything until the Holy Spirit wakes us up. Until he causes us to be born again. You know, the scriptures use the picture of being waked out of sleep as a picture of spiritual awakening, the new birth. And we keep preaching Christ. We keep preaching the word because this is the message God the Holy Spirit uses to give life in the hearts of his people. And if God the Holy Spirit ever wakes you up, gives you life, gives you faith so that you see Christ and you believe him, if if he's ever pleased to reveal Christ to you in God's word, you will believe him. See, I don't have to beg you to do anything. If the Spirit gives you faith in Christ, you'll believe Him. If He gives you life, you'll believe Him. You won't be able to help it. You'll worship Him because He's given you a spirit of worship. But now it takes the Spirit of God to do that. Only the Spirit of God can give us life. Only the Spirit of God can give us faith. And when He does, we're going to say the same thing as Jacob said. The Lord has been here all along and I didn't know it. (laughs) The Lord has been speaking here all along. He's been speaking through his word. He's been speaking through the gospel. But I didn't know it. I was asleep. I didn't know it. But now I do. Now I know it. Now I see. Now I hear him. And we'll say the same thing Jacob says. I'm afraid. I fear God. And for the believer, the fear of God is not being afraid of being punished or something like that. The fear of God is a reverence of God. Brother Todd Nybert gave the best definition of fear of the Lord I've ever heard. If you want to know, do I fear the Lord? Here's the fear of the Lord according to Brother Nyberg. You fear God if you are afraid to trust anything other than Christ alone. That's fearing God, fearing the Lord. That's what Jacob says here. I, I, I'm afraid to trust anything but Christ. I'm afraid of what I've been trusting Him for now. I should have been trusting Christ, but I didn't know it. I should have been listening to God speak, but I didn't know it. Now I do. And if God ever is pleased to reveal himself to you, you'll fear God that way. You'll be like Jacob and you'll be afraid to trust anything but Christ alone. And then Jacob says this in in verse 18. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows. (laughs) I've been studying this this week and every night I've been so thankful for my pillow I just, I just love my pillow. <laughs> Can you imagine I have stones for a pillow? That's what Jacob had. He took those stones that he put up for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, the house of God. But the name of that city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Now here's what Jacob is saying. If God is truly my God, I'm going to keep worshiping. him. I'm going to keep trusting. I'm going to keep being afraid to trust anything other than Christ alone. If God is truly my God, I'm going to keep coming here. I'm going to keep coming back to Bethel. I'm going to keep hearing from God. I'm going to keep trusting God. I'm going to keep worshiping God. Continuing in the faith, that's the evidence God has saved you. Now, if it's something I made up by myself or you know, some experience I had moved me to do something, that won't last. But if you continue in the faith, that's the evidence that God has saved you. See, that's Jacob's not saying here. Now, you know, God, will, if he'll be good to me and he'll keep me, he'll bring me back to this place, then I'll trust him. That's not what he's saying. Jacob's saying, if the Lord, Lord keeps me and protects me and preserves me, brings me back to this place in peace, that's the evidence God saved me. If I keep trusting Christ, that's the evidence that God has saved me. And that is what happened all throughout Jacob's life. Near the end of Jacob's life, you know the story of Jacob's life. He'd been reunited with his son Joseph. Jacob was dying and he called Joseph to him. And he told Joseph, he said, God has shepherded me all my life long. Just like he promised to do here. He fed him. He led him. He preserved Jacob. He brought him everywhere he went. Did everything that God promised that he'd do for him. God has shepherded me all my life long. And something else if we meet God. God gives us faith in Christ. You can take your copy of the law and throw it out the window. Because you don't need it. You don't need it. You'll be led by faith in Christ and love for Christ. I thought this is very interesting. Now Jacob said this, how many Hundreds and hundreds of years before the law was given. Of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Now why did Jacob say that? It wasn't because the law required it, was it? It was just because that's what the Lord laid on his heart to give. He didn't need the law to tell him what to do. And if God saves you, you're not going to need the law to tell you what to do either. You live by faith in Christ by love for Christ and following Christ. And sure enough, throughout his life, Jacob kept believing God. Bless his heart, he's still a scoundrel. (laughs) But he kept believing God. He kept coming back to Bethel. He kept coming back to the house of worship and God kept speaking to him. And it's not because Jacob was any good. It's because the Lord never let Jacob go. He led him and guided him. And kept drawing Jacob back to himself. And that's my prayer for you and my prayer for me. Tonight, and every night God gives us from here on out, that God will keep us. That he'll keep us coming to Bethel. That he'll keep speaking to us. That he'll keep drawing us to Christ. That he'll keep us being afraid to believe on anything other than Christ alone. That'd be a blessing, wouldn't it? All right, let's bow together. Our Father, how we thank you for this beautiful picture of Christ our Savior. The latter who came all the way to earth where we are. All the way to the deep pit where we're found to redeem a people from their sins. And that he's the latter to bring us all the way to you. All the way to the presence of the Father accepted. Father, how we thank you. Father, I pray that Each of us would be like Jacob of old tonight. That you'd reveal yourself. That you'd reveal Christ to us as the all-sufficient Savior. And cause us to trust him. And rest in him. To be led by him and to follow him and trust him all the days of our life. For it's in Christ's precious name. For his sake and his glory we pray. Amen. All right, Sean. Okay, if you would, turn to song number 471 and stand as we sing Love Found a Way.